0: So the big question is this, how do investors like us get access to the ideas, information, and most importantly, the right people that give us the tools and information we need to make informed and educated decisions to have success? That is the question, and this podcast will give us the answers. This is Mark Moss, your host. Let's get this started. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Market Disruptors Podcast. Today, I am sitting down with Olga Mack, and she is the VP of Strategy at QuantStamp. They look at smart contracts, and we dive into smart contracts, what they are, why they're important, how they're being used, problems that we could find with them, and how we can mitigate the risks. So much good information in this that you need to hear about smart contracts, which really (laughs) the whole system revolves around. So let's go ahead and just jump right into it with Olga. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Market Disruptors podcast. Today, I am joined by Olga, and she is the VP of Strategy at QuantStamp. Um, She's a co-author of a book, The Fundamentals of Smart Contract Security. Um, She's an attorney by trade, but she's also been kind of in the digital space, payment space, worked with Visa in the past. so really unique perspective, and I'm excited to have you on, Olga. Thank you for joining.
1: Hi, Mark. It's fantastic to be here. I appreciate your invite.
0: All right. So um, we got a lot to talk about today, um, but why don't you just kind of frame it up a little bit um, for those that don't know. I mean, I gave you a good intro, but for those that don't know, tell us who you are, kind of uh, what you've been doing and how you got to the space and and specifically what you're doing now.
1: So as you mentioned, I am a VP of strategy at Quantstamp. Uh, Quantstamp is on the intersection of blockchain, smart contracts, and uh, security. Uh, We make sure that uh, the smart contracts that companies and projects put out in the world, um, that they're secure and that the assets that people put in them are not stolen or locked out. Uh, So to the extent you care about your assets, um, I highly recommend thinking about how secure they are. Um, As as you mentioned in my prior lives, I have been uh, an attorney, I've been at numerous startups. I've also been at big companies such as Visa and law firms. I am a tech lawyer by design. Um, I've been on the cutting edge of various technologies, and uh, I've been always on the privacy security side. So those are sort of my passions. They seem to be very combinable in blockchain and crypto, and I'm I'm really excited about the space.
0: Yeah, so that's interesting. So uh, your background being in tech um, security and privacy, um, which... I would imagine would been would was a challenge in the more centralized days and today with the new technology. Does that give you like a lot of new tools that you can use to really help that privacy and security piece? So you're absolutely
1: right. Security and privacy are not new challenges. We've had them for a while. We had them before internet. We've definitely had them during internet, and we will have them in Web 2.3.0 and and, and and more. Um, those are Challenges, they're evolving challenges. Um, and they with every technology, you have different, different flavor of challenges. And so it's really fun to see the evolution of the challenge. It's also fun to see the evolution of solutions. And frankly, it is also fun to see um, how other people who challenge the space, the crooks, because they have access to the same technology. And, um, and, and it is an ongoing evolving space for everyone.
0: Yeah. So one piece of the space that I'm super interested in and everybody should be, because it's really the linchpin maybe for the whole space is just this smart contract piece. And so I, I wanted to spend some time talking about that. Um and, and as you mentioned with Quantstamp, you're looking at smart contract security. Um now when we were talking before we started, you said it's it is the space, right? So it kind of is everything. Um so maybe just tell us a little bit kind of like what smart contracts are and, and how they're being used and why they're so important.
1: Yeah, so smart contracts are, you know, that's sort of a silly name, as everyone knows. Uh, they're not smart, you know, Mark, you're very smart. Uh, they're not that kind of smart. Um, yeah. and they are not really contracts. They're not, uh, they're not a bunch of legalese where you sign your name at the bottom. What they are, they're pieces of code. And those pieces of code do three things. They store rules, they uh, verify rules, and they self-execute rules. So they do those three functions. Uh, and many folks compare them to vending machines. So if I would like to have a snack of choice, I go to a vending machine. I put a dollar. Um, it uh, it stores rules that if you put a dollar, you get a snack of choice. Once I put a dollar, it verifies that this dollar is correct and that I meet the amount. And then sort of voila, a beautiful moment, I get my snack of choice. So, so that's like,
0: uh, it's like logic, right? If this, then that.
1: If this, then that. It's, and, and they get very powerful when uh, there's more than one smart contract, and it is a back-end technology. Uh, most consumers do not see it if it's done right, and it's highly combinable with other technologies like data or AI. And in fact, when you combine that, that's what makes it super powerful. Um, and so that, that's the technology, and it can power quite a few things, and exciting applications are possible with it.
0: Yeah, I've heard, you know, I, I get a lot of questions about smart contracts and people think they're going to replace like law firms and things like that, but uh, I, I don't think that's quite it, right? So it's more about logic, if this, this, then that, and more about the way things can kind of work together and not so much like rule or govern over things. Is that, is that about right?
1: Um, it, let me, I, I have a little bit more, you, you're sort of right, but let me give you a more nuanced way of looking at it. Um, there is a world of smart contracts let's sort of imagine the Venn diagram there is a world of smart contracts and there is a world of legal contracts and imagine that those are two circles and there is an overlap so there are some legal contracts that may be replaced by smart contracts and there's also some smart uh, smart contracts that are not legal contracts and there are some legal contracts that are not smart contracts so there could be an overlap and uh, there is a really great white paper by the Chamber of Digital Commerce uh, to what extent if the contract, legal contract becomes smart contract, whether it's enforceable, um, and there are a number of law review articles and there are a white paper, and most scholars and practitioners agree that should this become a legal issue, it is highly likely that those legal contracts will be enforceable um, if they're executed by smart contracts. However, you are correct that most smart contracts are not legal contracts. They're just pieces of code. And the beautiful thing about those pieces of code and, and the reason why smart contracts are, in my view, the application of blockchain, is that they embody sort of traditional business logic. Any business, any function sort of operates on if-then, if-then statements. Uh, and smart contracts are sort of an opportunity to to uh, combine it all together and automate it. And so that's why you see most applications of smart contracts at this time in in inefficiency type of space, in making things better, faster, reduce paperwork, uh, cheaper, those type of things. That is the first wave of application of smart contracts. Uh, my prediction that we're gonna be in this space for a while um, and that what actually fuels adoption and curiosity by many enterprises uh, but I think over time, especially combined with other, with other technology and data, um, you, we will be able to solve what I call unsolvable problems. Problems that we sort of gave up solving or didn't even think that are their problems. Uh, and the next wave of innovation will be combining these technologies and completely rethinking how we do business.
0: Yeah. So if, if I have this right, then you said there's like the, there's like the legal contracts and the smart contracts. So legal contracts are ones that might need to be decided on by somebody, right? So like you and I have a, a business contract and there's a breach and we have to go before an arbitrator or judge or something to rule over that contract versus like a smart contract. It's something that would be decided on by the code. Right. And it would. And so it's really more about ways that in, things are working together and not like that legal contract. That, that would be a difference. Right. Because like law is like something that's argued over. Right. Something's decided it, on.
1: If some parts of legal contracts could be automated and uh, some contracts, uh, legal contracts, anybody who ever negotiated a legal contract knows that there are often deliberate gray areas uh, because parties may or may not know what's going to happen in the future and may want to be able to argue about that future. So to the extent you want to have a bright line and self execution, um, you may want to put smart contracts on that function. And to the extent you may want to have a gray area, maybe not. Uh, so there's sort of benefits to both There's those decisions to be made. So let me give you an example. Uh, sometimes you know, if you are clear about what performance leads to payment, you may want to put it on a smart contract just to make sure that you don't have to invoice and you automatically get payments. In supply chain, you often have this kind of um, records that have to be submitted for the objects to move through commerce, and so if you want to automate that function um, and you get various clearances and various uh, permissions, if those are automatically submitted, the, the uh, you have automatic uh, execution of the function. So some things are uh, are are great to be for uh, to be put on smart contracts, uh, and some things are probably still going to be part of our legal universe.
0: Sure. So um, as as part of Quantstamp, you're looking over smart contracts and helping to make sure they're secure and stuff like that. So I'm guessing you're you're really at the forefront of these smart contracts and really seeing what's going on. So. Uh, how are they being used today? Like what's really happening today or what's, what's right on the verge? Like what's kind of like this next wave of where smart contracts are really going to be making an impact?
1: So, you know, look, I mean, it's a little bit hard because uh, blockchain smart contracts are touching many industries. And it's a little bit hard to say who is a little bit further ahead. They're, you know, that is changes somewhat day by day. We do know that blockchain and smart contracts, you know, have sort of a very obvious financial implications. And Bitcoin being one of the sort of first application, and various other financial uh, players adopting the technology quickly, more quickly than others, you know, suggests that that's sort of an obvious place. And we see quite a lot of development. Um, but there are other uh, applications, you know, uh, supply chain, the industry I just mentioned. Uh, has had quite a lot of progress as well. IBM is doing quite a lot of work in it. Oracle is doing quite a lot of work in it and many, many other companies. Um, So 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 supply chain
0: space is like just one area that's really using it. I think also the decentralized finance space would be another area that was probably using a lot of smart contracts as well, right? So
1: so yeah, decentralized finance uh, is part of the sort of finance that i just discussed yes that that is the number one application uh, at this time uh but there are other areas and and logistics is another one but you also see it in in numerous others
0: okay i'm curious uh you know in, in 2017 we kind of saw the protocol wars where we had you know ethereum came up as a smart contract platform and then we had all these other smart contract platforms that came out um, what about bitcoin i've heard you know there's talk about you know side chains and things like that where people are starting to do smart contracts are you seeing any of that uh, can you comment on any of uh, what may or may not happen with smart contracts on the bitcoin either probably side chain or something federated chain
1: we see many folks dabble in smart contracts on if Bitcoin. one of them there are numerous others um i think we see the world where because smart contracts functionality is so powerful and it embodies traditional business logic Um, and a lot of people realize that and so um, without specifically commenting on what Bitcoin or Ethereum does um, I think we'll see the world where that functionality will be embedded in many platforms because it is so powerful, because it is so core to many businesses, and I think there is realization I think the challenge for the technology at this time is that looking forward that we're going to have numerous platforms in, embed that functionality, how do we make sure that those platforms talk to each other? Um, that is an interesting challenge to solve but yeah. yes i think I think the smart smart conscious functionality, and if you look for example at at um, Uh, patenting, Uh, smart uh, contracts functionality is one of the top five functionalities that is being patented in the United States and China, which lead patents in blockchain. And so my prediction that smart contracts will continue being the core functionality and that we will also need to solve a challenge of platforms talking to each other.
0: So then um, in the future, at some point in the future, um, you think this argument right now of Bitcoin versus all altcoins is uh, smart contract platforms can run smart contracts, Bitcoin can't, but you think there's a future where Bitcoin runs smart contracts just like other platforms do in some way or another?
1: I think there is a future for many platforms to have a functionality related to smart contracts, and I think uh, it's an evolving field. It's definitely an experimental technology at this point. A lot of new stuff is frankly, even today, is coming out from universities, like University of Waterloo, Stanford, MIT, uh, University of, of Singapore. So it's a highly experimental technology and we'll see more and more of it develop, yes.
0: Okay. Now um, you had said, when I, when I think before we started uh, the, the actual show, um, I had mentioned where I said it's a big piece and you said, well, smart contracts is actually the piece. Um, so what do you mean by that? Like, uh, why, is it, why are smart contracts so important to this entire ecosystem?
1: Uh, I think it's because it really underpins and I think we've never looked the way we do business that smart contracts just embodies logically uh, how the business is done. A lot of business, if you ever work for an enterprise or any company, a lot of business could be reduced to a bunch of if-then statements. You pay me, if you pay me. I'll give you services. If I give you services, we're going to have relationship, right? So there's a lot of if-then statements yeah. embedded just sort of by default. And so smart contracts, the reason they're so powerful is because we have many enterprises, because we have many services, we have many if-then statements uh, sort of assumed in our daily lives and our businesses. And smart contracts can very easily or more easily than other things uh, automate that.
0: Yeah. Okay. It's kind of like a bunch of systems. So like the best businesses in the world really build the best systems. Um, think of like franchises where like something is always done the same way if this, then that. Right. So, um, so if, if that's the biggest piece of the system, um, which I agree with you, right. I mean, uh, in order for all this to work, we have to have that smart contract, that logic in there. Um, but if, if, that's big of a, if, if it's that big of a piece, then it's, it's important that we get it right. And I think that's where Quantstamp comes in to, to, to like look at these smart contracts and see problems that may be there. I, I know throughout history, we've seen some big problems, right? So I think there was the Ethereum one, there was this Parity one, right? So we've seen big problems with smart contract failures. And um, I guess you guys are trying to f- help solve that problem. Is that correct?
1: So let, let me talk a little bit more about what could possibly go wrong. Yeah, uh, smart contracts. because, you know, on the one hand, they embody business logic and they're super powerful. I think of them as a very, very sharp knife. Um, on the other hand, remember, they are pieces of code. And who writes pieces of code?
0: Right. Humans. People. <laughs>
1: people. Yeah. Humans write code. And so what is the problem with people doing things? Well, the problem is that humans, people, professionals are error-prone. They right. make mistakes, and so what we see. And the classic example, you know, you mentioned parody. Also I'll mention something else. The classic one is a DAO problem. Mm-hmm. One little misstep in a code, one little mistake, can have millions of dollars disappear. And people will, you know, if you ever talk to somebody who has been affected by this problem, for example, our founder at Quantum, one of the reasons he founded this company is because he has been affected by this problem. Oh, wow. if, you, if you ever talk to somebody who was part of Dow, um, you know, what happened is that money was disappearing. Folks have been watching it real time and they could do absolutely nothing about it. It's sort of like witnessing a violence against yourself (laughs) and just stand there, smile, right? And it doesn't matter how much money people lost. People who were part of it have a very almost primitive reaction to this violence, right? To this funds disappearing in front of their eyes. And that that was very disturbing, right? right? And they couldn't do much about it. So that is the challenge with smart contracts is that on the one hand, they're very... Very powerful. On the other hand, they are created by humans. Humans make mistakes, and so your funds can be locked out. Your funds can disappear. Your assets, right? And remember, what you can put on a smart contract doesn't have to be financial asset. It could be any asset. It could be, for example, a real estate asset. It could be Olga's reputation all gas privacy because that's an asset as well so they store assets that are quite valuable and so it's important to make sure that there is no code problems because uh those especially in public blockchains they are open the code is open to to for everyone to see um and there are people who are really good at finding the crooks finding the challenge with the code and taking advantage of it. And so, yes, on the one hand, it's a powerful knife, but that knife could be used to, to cure and that knife could be used to kill. Sure. Um, and so it's very important to use this tool in intentional way and take precautions
0: it's a uh, you know it's it's no different it's a it's an age-old problem right you have bankers and you have bank robbers and the banks are trying to stay a step ahead of the robbers or we have virus uh, makers and antivirus makers and there and it's always this race and um
1: remember when i said that you know the good guys and the bad guys have access to the same technology.
0: Right, exactly. I can understand the challenge you must have or our, our company like Quantstamp might have um, in a sense where all this code is written by humans and everybody writes it a little bit differently um, and then there's all these different platforms and languages to write it on. So there's like unlimited amount of combinations. Um, so I could understand it, it could be very difficult. Uh, could you talk at all about maybe a process of how you do that or how that's done? Yeah.
1: Yeah, so um, actually, so while there is a potentially infinite number of combinations, we also know that some smart contracts are more tested than others. So there are increasingly number of templates and best practices uh, that are emerging to help developers to write smart contracts. they, They don't have to recreate the wheel every time because some smart contracts are already tested. And so there are organizations that put out templates, Uh, We created a smart contract security alliance where we work with enterprises and projects to put out best practices. So that is emerging. There will be more and more of it because, you know, just like lawyers don't have to write every contract from scratch because many clauses have been litigated. Uh, Similarly, developers don't have to write a code from scratch and they can take advantage of, of the code. And it makes it much easier for auditors to double check. Right, but right. You know, part of developing safe smart contracts or any code, uh, especially if it houses assets, is to basically go through the process of, of, of audit. And we provide that service. We're also building protocols and tools to make sure that, the, that smart contracts can be checked for vulnerabilities at scale. Because if you imagine the world that will be dominated by smart contracts, because if that is so embedded in our collective logic, then it's very important to get to the point where you can just sort of take all your smart contracts, put them in the black box, and make sure that you are safe, right? That's the ideal world. So we are building those tools, we are building those protocols. In the meantime, as this technology develops, and as we're building, uh, we're also providing services. And we're not the only ones. There are other people who do this. They all have slightly different um, method of doing it. Um, I personally like the way we're doing it. Uh, we have a number of uh, PhDs from the University of Waterloo who have dedicated their life to studying, uh, understanding, developing smart contracts. So the way we do audits is that we basically take smart contracts and give it to three uh People to audit independently and then they compare results and uh, compete as to who's gonna find most vulnerabilities mm-hmm. uh, we find that through that process um, we we get get it right and we get really good results um, yeah. Yeah. and then we also in the process educate our clients help them uh, adopt better practices um, and just generally be safer
0: yeah. I think um it it opens up a lot of conversation that we maybe haven't had in the past um, but 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 maybe we should have so obviously we talked like I just mentioned viruses and things like that uh, We've seen recently um, like uh all these uh these hacks where they've locked the computers right locked the data I think the city of Baltimore just like had their whole system locked and they had to pay the ransom and those are like vulnerabilities in Microsoft software I believe that the NSA knew about. And, exploited whatever we won't get into that but uh, my point is it was a, it was a it was a bug if you will or some sort of a something in the Microsoft software that allowed these hackers to get in and lock that system down and that's kind of similar right so just like Microsoft should be responsible to make sure the code can't be hacked the smart contract people need to also be responsible to make sure their code isn't hacked kind of the same thing right
1: human error humans are good at developing Apple solutions and they are prone to error. And sometimes small errors are costly. And there's always not- people
0: that are motivated to find those errors.
1: And there are people who motivate are crooks who want to exploit them. It is not to say that we should not be developing technology. It is not to say that we should hide our money or assets under the mattress. It is to say that we should, we should approach technology with our eyes open. And we know that humans make mistakes. And that means we should double check what humans do.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, you know, so, so knowing that those types of problems already exist today, um, we're, we're kind of aware of that, but now we're talking about like money or wealth or value, whatever you want to call it, whether that be intellectual property or whatever. Um, but when you're talking about money, I mean, now we have huge, huge sums at risk. And so it just requires extra, extra, you know.
1: So I, I, I like to talk about assets, yeah and remember those assets that held by smart contracts may be money they could be tangible assets like real estate they could be intangible one they could be olga's reputation that sure, could sure. be olga's privacy uh olga's intellectual property uh so those types of things so i i tend to think of them as more as assets and people care about their assets, whether they're tangible, intangible, monetary, or as a rise.
0: Sure. Yeah, that's a, that's a great point. That, that's a great point. So um, you talked about um, you guys started like some foundation or organization or something like that. I'm curious, is there, or is there now or will there be some sort of uh, maybe like a rating agency where like um, companies can be more trusted than others? I mean, I know we're really in the infancy right now and maybe it's not established, but do you think there's a way where the consumer knows, okay, these guys are more trusted reputation wise than others?
1: Uh, We, I can tell you that what today when we audit projects, we provide reports to those companies and projects uh, that we've done it. Many of them really like it. Our reports are highly comprehensive. They they rate all kinds of challenges that could possibly go wrong, give feedback, and they rate whether or not those challenges are life threatening or kind of nice to have. So we provide quite a lot of feedback. Uh, We know that companies like it. We also know that Frank, the regulators in many countries like as well. Um, we've received many requests for what you just basically described as sort of a uh, very sign for blockchain. Uh, we are deeply aware of it. Um, understand that this is an emerging technology. It is changing day by day, uh, but we know that um, our, our reports, are blo- uh, reports after we audit smart contracts are basically hashed on blockchain if client wants. And and so there is an opportunity to provide that um, consumer reassurance that um, that smart contract that they're using
0: have um, okay. been so, audited. So for the for the averages, I guess you said consume, consumer assurance like. Um, you know, a lot of these smart contracts are inconsequential um, and I don't really care. Uh, you know, if, if a supply chain management smart contract doesn't work and maybe an invoice gets mixed up, I mean, that's not the end of the world. Um, if I have a million dollars sitting in my DeFi account and that, that gets exploited, then that's a whole different thing to me. Um, so seeing as uh, seeing as we're getting more and more assets, wealth value, whatever we want to call them, put onto these smart contract platforms... Um, What do you think some of the risks are that that people should be aware of, that we should be watching out for?
1: Well, it's a a developing technology. There's numerous risks. It's evolving. Um, You know, maybe being a smart consumer is really a prudent thing. Um, I'm not so concerned to tell you do not use this technology because I love this technology. I think it's a powerful technology. But understand, it is a developing technology. A lot of it is still at the universities. I like being um, the first adopter and I like, I will, for my education and to be on the cutting edge of technology, I will even risk some money. Um, I will not risk all of my money. Um, right, good point. So, <laughs> um, you know, you can be part of the um, of various solutions. You can try different things. Uh, you still should retain your common sense. Um, you have to understand that smart contracts are developing. It's going to take time for them to become a mature technology. Um, There are numerous platforms that are coming up. So um, if you like being open-minded, if you like trying different things, I highly encourage you to do it. Just keep your common sense. Do not put all your assets in one place that that, that is made of experimental technology. That is not smart um, you know, we all at some point have to pay mortgage or rent and, and, and And It's,
0: it's, it's even smart when you talk about stuff that is tried and true. For example, this is the Microsoft bug. I mean, Microsoft's been out a long time and like, yet, you know, people have lost a lot there. Um, you know, whether that be banks or investments or stocks or whatever. So you never really want to put all your assets into one basket. So, uh, and, and I agree with you, right. And an emerging technology is even more important. So you should definitely uh, practice that more. So good point. Uh, I know for me personally, um, I have multiple hardware wallets and I don't even put all my, all my stuff on one hardware wallet. I have it on multiple hardware wallets just in case something happens to one or whatever. Right. So uh, even diversified to that level. And I think, uh, I think that makes great sense. Um,
1: That's a Great strategy. And I can tell you that most people in the industry, myself included, do the same. So you, you, you just, you, you just have to be smart.
0: Yeah. You just don't want a single point of failure and you don't want to lose everything to one, one thing or, or, or be severely uh, impacted. Now, um, we talked about, um, you had, uh, you had recently gone and spoke with the digital chamber of commerce. Um, and I think you, uh, that was in, that's in Washington DC. Is that correct? And you were kind of, uh, you were kind of, uh, educating, if you will, some of the congressmen, et cetera, while you were there.
1: So yes, yeah, so the Digital Chamber of Commerce is a great organization that composed of leaders uh, in blockchain, smart contracts, and, and crypto. They include members that are highly reputable and well-known uh, companies and law firms and accountants and consultants. They also include many uh, well-known projects. So it's a great group of people. Uh, annually, we organize um, a education day and many of us sort of fly to Washington, D.C. and meet with members of Congress, both in the House and Senate, to to help them understand this very complicated technology. Um, you know, blockchain, smart contracts are, is a very, very complicated technology. There is a reason why a big chunk of QuantStamp are folks who have PhDs. Um, it gets really complicated really quickly. Yeah. And so we try to make sure that Um, members of Congress before they make any decisions, before they ask any questions, they're highly educated and aware of what this technology is, what the benefits, what the challenges are, where it is in its development. Um, We really believe that education is powerful. I have personally educated many many members of Congress of the United States. I'm also fairly active in California. Uh, I've gone to Sacramento many times. I, I firmly believe that educated people educated legislators, uh, on average, make much better decisions. And so I always prioritize educating people about this amazing technology that has a huge potential.
0: I was, uh, you know, there was a couple days of testimony, I think a week ago, a week or two ago on, on the whole Facebook Libra. And I was, uh, I was actually pleasantly surprised. I think it was the second day of testimony to hear from a lot of these, uh, congressmen and, and representatives that were there that actually sounded pretty knowledgeable. I was actually pleasantly surprised uh, do you find more than not that people are starting to be more aware and are kind of being educated or is, are they, do we still have a long way to go?
1: I think what Libra did, independent of what position you take on Libra. Well,
0: just just uh, Bitcoin and just kind of cryptocurrencies overall.
1: But Libra specifically, because uh, Congress is focused on it, uh, has raised blockchain issues. Okay. And yes, I find that our members of Congress want to learn more, in the same way they want to learn more about other issues. I also know that many of their staffers are very young and grew up with technology. And so, uh, and, and many of them are very curious about this technology. Many of them want to learn more about it. And many of them want to help their, their representatives and centers, and their bosses, to, to be knowledgeable about it. So I can tell you, there is a lot of effort to educate everyone from many ways. Digital Chamber of Commerce doing its piece and numerous other organizations that do that piece. And I'm, I'm really thrilled to see education Being prioritized by our agencies, by our legislators, by by our government.
0: Yeah, I like that point you made about the staffers being younger and maybe trying to help them out. I never really thought about that, but that's an important point. You know, sometimes I I look at the uh, the meetings, the committee meetings are having, or whatever, and you see the age of the average policymaker there, and you know, it's just uh, older people are raised in a different generation than younger people, and I have kids and they're, they're raised in the digital age and everything's digital to them, right? And, and then you have, you know, my parents and they're old and they, they weren't. And so I'm afraid you have these old policymakers putting policies in place that will be there for a long time that are gonna affect this younger generation. And there's like this divide. So
1: um, I think you're right. There's generally correlation between age and technologies. For every correlation, I find there's numerous exceptions. Uh, there are quite a number of people who my parents age who know more about technology than I do. So I think one has to be very careful about making age-based sort of uh, generalization. But by and large, you know, if you talk about average people, there is a correlation and it is great that, you know, and and we know that members of Congress, especially members of the Senate tend to skew older. Uh, So there will be a correlation. Uh, I, I am really pleased to see that this, this correlation can be offset by very young staffers who are very eager, who went to school, who grew up with different technology, and see the world in a very different ways. So, so yes, yeah, so it, is, it is balancing each other out. But yes, there, there is a correlation, and yes, there is a, a, a skewing towards an older population in our legislation.
0: You, you had mentioned that um, there's a lot of focus on the whole Facebook Libra thing, and I don't know how much you wanna dive into that, but I'm just curious, um, the focus that it's doing, um, is that bringing more awareness to the overall space? So they're focused on Facebook Libra, but now it's bringing more awareness to the, the blockchain space overall, and is that a good thing? Is it bringing good attention or bad attention, or is any attention good?
1: You know, I think um, Facebook is a high-profile player generally speaking in many industries and it's dabbling in blockchain brings an eagerness to be educated. And I'm excited about that eagerness to be educated. We're having conversations that were not had before that were put off uh, to to have some other day. And now, you know, you know, because Libra has been testifying in Congress, those members have to be educated. Um, and they've been prioritizing education. I think prioritizing education is overall a highly positive thing, and I'm excited about it.
0: So it's a net gain.
1: It's it's a it's a conversation that had to be had.
0: Yeah, yeah. Like I said, I was I was I was really surprised uh, some of the conversations that were coming out, and I was pleasantly surprised seeing the, the level of education that some of these people had. Um, so overall, I think it's good. Um, we definitely see a big division though. I mean, there's some people that don't, you mentioned going before, um, and it's going to Sacramento in California. And I know we have a very outspoken representative in, in California that thinks it should all be outlawed and no one should be allowed to own it. So that's obviously another side of the extreme. So it's interesting to see how that's going to play out.
1: You know, I find that there's always going to be an outspoken outlier in every jurisdiction. Um, and, and, it, they exist in every state. They exist in, uh, on the federal level as well. Um, focusing on outliers in anything you do uh, may or may not be a prudent thing. I think by and large people I meet, and i am now, now educated members of many federal and, and California agencies, and uh, I've talked to many uh, legislators and regulators, I would say the predominant, uh, the predominant mood is open-minded. And to me, that's a positive thing. And yes, there are outliers. There are outliers on either side.
0: Sure. Okay, good. Well, we're running out of time. So we got to try and wrap this up. I just want to maybe ask you another question Um, because you have a very unique perspective. I think being uh, with your background, digital security, privacy, being in the forefront of this kind of smart contracts and talking to Congress a little bit. So you kind of have this like unique perspective. Um, where do you think we are, um, you know, in the adoption of this? And, and maybe where are we in the next couple of years? Um, are we still really early and people should just be patient and wait? Um, or is there something that we see gradually picking up? And 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 kind of where do you see that over the next year or two?
1: I think we're definitely on the earlier side. We're definitely not in the very, very beginning. Uh, we are on the earlier side. We're also on a side where there is number of kind of proof of concepts and small deployments that are happening at various enterprises and projects so it is an opportunity for this technology to really show what it, what it can do, and a lot of that is focused on gaining efficiencies, which frankly, you know, drives a lot of adoption among enterprises. If you can show that you can make it bigger, faster, cheaper, that is usually a highly, highly compelling reason to adopt this technology. Having said that, uh, it is in very early. We do think that security challenges are not, that they have to be sold, at least to some extent, for, for the mass adoption. Um, You know, regulators are having conversations about smart contracts, blockchain, crypto. Uh, There needs to be some clarity for mass adoption as well. So we are fairly early, but the conversations are happening. The technology is developing. People are sort of struggling with various problems, as they should be. Uh, We see the shift from, you know, again, if you look at sort of Patent tra- trends, most of the patent trends in the past have been in e- from the universities. That is changing. A lot of patenting is actually happening in enterprises. So what that suggests that this industry is here to stand, stay and that enterprises and projects are heavily investing in this industry and that it will be a technology that will change the way we do business and live our lives. It is a backend technology, so if it is done right, we will not see it, our lives will just get better. And, and that will be our new normal. In the same way, as we no longer write letters to each other and write emails, and we just have many more communications and our lives got, I guess, arguably better. Um, and that's a seamless process. That is what I expect would happen with blockchain and smart contracts.
0: Sure, at the end of the day, it just has to be a better, a, a better, uh, a better technology. So I agree with that. Well, good stuff. I appreciate the, the conversation. Um, hopefully, hopefully that is uh, useful for everyone listening. I know uh, paying attention to smart contracts and being smart with them is, is a big piece that I'm, I'm practicing. So I hope everyone else is too. Um, but uh, Olga, thanks for so much for coming on. I appreciate the conversation. And um, are you active on social media? Is there anywhere that people can keep up with you?
1: I am very active on LinkedIn. I'm somewhat active on Twitter. Uh, But LinkedIn is where I tend to hang. So I open to connections and uh, help everyone who needs to be helped either with resources or in any other way or direct them to resources of one step. It is absolute delight to be here. Thank you for finding, giving me this opportunity to share my passion. I'm thrilled and I very much look forward how the world will change and, and become better with this amazing technology that has a lot of potential.
0: All right. Thanks so much. You bet. Bye. Hey, if you like this episode of the Market Disruptors podcast, please help us take this to the top of the podcast charts. Just please do me a favor and rate, review, and subscribe. Taking 15 seconds to just leave a quick review goes a long way in helping us reach more people and disrupt more markets. I really appreciate you listening, and I'll see you next time on the Market Disruptors podcast.